Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, and when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Ava, for reading that for us. Let us pray together. Spirit of living God, fall fresh now on this preacher and on these your blood-bought children. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I used to wonder... What was the attack on the family all about? You know, the family has been under attack for a long time in our society by the enemy. And then the more I read the Bible and the acts of Jesus, I began to understand that the foundation, the foundation of Christianity is that of family. We are the family of God. You see, Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection gave birth to the family. His whole concept of a new world order is that all who follow him all around the world would be family. In other words, we are Kinfolk. And his new reign or rule is not so much that of a king, but head of the family, the kingdom of God. Jesus is the head of the family of God. From the moment Jesus stepped his foot into that water and said to John, you have got to baptize me, he was said in the presence that all who are baptized are family members. Baptism, brothers and sisters, is where we greet members of the family. In that communion, we confirm that we are in solidarity with Jesus and other family members all over the world. From the very beginning of Jesus' ministry to his parting words, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, he said, here is your mother. Jesus established the very presence of family. The idea that we are kin, held together by the bonds of love. Babies who are just born are baptized because we recognize that that child is already a family member. And when we commune together, we are publicly demonstrating that we are in solidarity with our Savior and solidarity with each other. We are family. This is the foundation from which we stand. Followers of Christ who live their faith day by day are anything but just ordinary 
citizens. We are family. And the church, like most families, has some dysfunction. Amen? Don't look at me like that. Some of us experience dysfunction over the holidays. Oh, you know you were glad when you saw those taillights leaving the driveway. <laughs> but at the same time, you were, you were planning your next visit, Easter, Mother's Day. You're already planning to see them again because they are family. We may get on each other's nerves sometimes, but we are family. We may do things that each of us don't understand, but we are family. We are kinfolks of the kingdom. We Christians, my brothers and sisters, stand out as models and mentors of what the example of family is all about. We may fall out, but we won't fall away. We may disagree, but we still hold the bonds of love. We may not like the things we do sometimes to each other, but we are still family. At least that is our hope. That is what our lives represent as Christians. We represent the kingdom of God, kin folk. We are the evidence that our faith is true and our God is at work in the world despite of what you see on the television or read in the newspaper. In other words, we are now the epiphany, the light shining forth for the world to see. And brothers and sisters, sometimes we'll grow dim from time to time. Our light will be threatened to be extinguished. But it's how we deal with failure. It's also a sign that our presence is a glimpse of the kingdom of God. It's okay for people to see the church struggle and argue and fuss. As long as they don't see us fall out and fall away from each other. This week we began this new series with the promise to be the example, to claim the grace and gift and to embrace the responsibility of being the church in the world right now as family. The kingdom is not a someday thing. It is a today thing. And we are committing ourselves to that vision right here and right now. Actually, we've already done that. Because all baptized, all confirmed members of the United Methodist Church have already signed on and made a promise to be a part of the living grace that folks can see in us, the love and mercy and grace of God flowing in our lives. And this is just a reminder, a revival of sorts, a re-energizing of the community of faith for another calendar year to remind us of who we are. And whose we are. The Bible says we are God's co-workers working together. You are God's field, God's building. In order to do so, we have to be in solidarity with the Savior and each other. Friends, being family or kingdom doesn't demand that we all think in lockstep but must agree, though, 
on the goal and mission. And our goal and mission is to have the mind of Christ. Is there any limit to what we can achieve if our goals are in sync with our Savior? As we survey the challenges that lay ahead, the church should not be intimidated by the enormity of the task that we are set forth to achieve. We are built to shoulder such enormous burdens in the church and in the secular world. No gate of Hades can prevail against what God has already established. COVID and church politics are high and has impacted given and limited ministries and so many congregations, their available resources have declined. Many are struggling to make ends meet while balancing their family needs with those of the church. But family, we are built for this. Crime is rising and our youth are in a strange new world of pandemic and mass shootings. But we are built for this. Despite our frustration, the church should not be discouraged. The challenges we face are not insurmountable. The church can survive the national dilemma and rise to the occasion because we serve a God who has proven that God can make a way out of no way, open doors that have been previously shut and lift fallen hopes and dreams. We are built for this. Alone. The task would be too great. But together with other Christians all around the world and together with each other, with Christ, we can do all things alone. We can do adequate things in division. Alone, we cannot really ex- extinguish poverty as it exists all over the world and in our neighborhoods. But with Christ, we can reach out to the poor in ways that are significant and meaningful all over the world. Alone, we cannot provide food for the hungry masses in neighborhoods and in countries. But with churches and sisters and brothers and social service ministries, we are well able to deal with the task because we all serve a savior who takes two little fishes and five loaves of bread and feed 5,000. If he can do that, we as family members can feed the world as long as we recognize we are not in competition, but together we are in ministry with Christ. Alone, we cannot curb the raging storm of pandemic and violence that is sweeping our communities. But we serve a Savior who specializes in speaking to the wind and rain and commanding them to peace, be still. Family, we are built for this. Together with the Savior, we can become the foundation of hope in our communities wherever they are because our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness and to inspire the dispirited to help that help is on the way. There is a distinct advantage into being in solidarity with each other 
and the one who controls our destiny. There was a famous surgeon that I heard an old preacher tell the story about. He was a great surgeon, and he also lived a wild and loose life. But he was a great surgeon who saved many lives despite of his riotous living. In fact, he spent the last 20 years of his life building a hospital in honor of St. Luke, the great doctor in the New Testament. Others wanted him to name the hospital something else, but he insisted that the hospital would be named St. Luke. As it happens to all of us, the surgeon died, and he was met at the pearly gates by a tall, angelic gatekeeper who advised him that it was his job to pre-approve all new arrivals. So the gatekeeper, with a clipboard in hand, asked, have you ever committed any unrepented sins while you were on earth? And the surgeon thought about it for a minute. He thought about it. He said, well, to tell you the truth, I messed up a whole lot. My list is long. And in fact, I even told a few lies to get this hospital named after St. Luke. And the gatekeeper looked at the surgeon and smiled and said, well, that wasn't so bad. Come on in. And as the surgeon entered, he, he was so relieved. He, 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 he shook the gatekeeper's hand and said, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, St. Peter. I didn't know if I was going to get in. And the gatekeeper interrupted him and said, I'm not St. Peter. He's on lunch break. I'm St. Luke. Thanks for building the building because I got your back, man. We cannot do what needs to be done alone. But we have the assurance that if we work together with our Savior, he will have our backs. And here's the great news. Every family member has a function and a gift to facilitate the advancement of the family of the kingdom of God. Each one of us individually is responsible for the gift that God has given us and must use that gift to further the needs of the family and the world. Paul and other preachers and teachers of the true gospel message work together as partners with God. Their ministry didn't belong to them, but it belonged to God. The family, individually and collectively, works together with God in promoting the purpose of God's glory and the salvation of precious, precious souls. And he knows who knows their work. Brothers and sisters, I don't care how bad you are or what your state is. You have been gifted with something to work in the kingdom. And the secret, and the secret to your joy and the secret to the church's success is that we find a way to put every one of the gifts that sit in this room and watch me online to work in the church because together we are unbelievable.
unstoppable. Family, we are employed in Christ's husbandry. He carefully takes care of us. The work of the church is to build up the foundation laid by Christ himself to bring salvation to the masses by inviting them into the family. No government, no police agency can solve our problem. Our only hope now is we bring more, as more people as we can into the family. In solidarity with Jesus, the church reached masses of unsaved people with the message of hope and salvation. The Bible gives us a clear picture of spiritual proximity and solidarity with each other and the Savior. I read, for we are fellow workers. That means fellow laborers belonging to God. We belong to God in this struggle and we work with God to respond to the needs of our respective communities of faith. Family, we are built for this. Solidarity with the Savior and each other should be more than just a slogan on our business cards or church stationery. The kingdom or church should reflect the unity with Christ and every other family member on every single level of the church. Christ earnestly prayed for the church. And my brothers and sisters, if we are to reflect our union with him, then we should be a praying people. We should pray for those who are in need. There are a whole lot of people who stand in dire need of prayer every single day. Their needs vary from financial to health concerns to economic issues. Some have family relationships and marital issues. Others are struggling with a long line of personal woes that only the almighty God knows what they are. But friends, I'm a living example that we should pray for one another because of your prayers, I believe that I believe that I believe that I believe that I'm standing here. If the kingdom or church is anything, it is the vehicle through which prayer is offered and answered and received. So the church should follow Christ's example and pray regularly for power and strength. The Bible urges us to constantly pray for saints who are in need, praying always with all prayer and supplication and in the spirit and watching, therefore, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. We should pray for our pastors because through their strength, congregations are strong. As Christ prayed for those who fed his lambs, let us follow his example in solidarity and pray for every pastor in the Illinois Great Rivers Conference. If every pastor in the Illinois Great Rivers Conference would experience the prayer that I've experienced for the last year, don't you know that our congregations will be mighty and strong and no division will be able to come against them? No weapon formed against them will be able to prosper. We will be able to take back our communities, take back our cities, and take back our world. Solidarity with the Savior and each other will require sacrifice. Christ proved himself willing to make the ultimate sacrifice for salvation in solidarity with him, each of us 
should be ready to lay down our personal goals and ambitions to pursue the cross of Christ. What does it mean to be in solidarity through sacrifice? What can we do that will demonstrate sacrificial solidarity in Christ? We can work to advance the cause of Jesus in a greater way. It would be a sacrifice to put aside personal ideologies, but it would be a powerful statement if churches all over the IGRC work together to work with groups like Habitat for Humanity to build homes without, without shelter, for folks without shelter. Work together with children's homes to build lives. Work together with shelters and social ministries to rescue people from perishing. Work together with retirement homes to bring hope to people that found that believe that this is the end of their life and hope is all gone. It would be a sacrifice, but it would show the compassion of a merciful Savior if we join together to fight the growing medical and political pandemic in this good old U.S. of A. It would be a sacrifice, but it would save thousands of families if all our churches in solidarity with Christ spoke loudly against the growing violence in our neighborhood and then actually worked together to set up neighborhood watch, anti-crime programs all over our communities. It would be a sacrifice. But if we pooled our resources and supported local ministries and national and international ministries, what a message of solidarity would it send to the world if United Methodists in the Illinois Great Rivers Annual Conference would put aside their personal ideologies and say, the number one thing we live for is the ministry of Christ as family. There's so much that can be done, but it will require the family, the church, to increase its united efforts and place their individuals' agendas on the back burner. Working individually, we can accomplish great things for the world, but working together in solidarity with Christ, it is so much more that can be done. It is a sacrificial service, but in solidarity with the Savior, we can achieve so much. Finally, this, brothers and sisters, we must consider that when we work together as family, we show an unbelieving world how to achieve the abundant life promise by a merciful Savior. The abundant life that Christ spoke about when he said, I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly has nothing to do with prosperity or accumulating things in this life. It does promise a joyful life fulfilled with purposeful life that displays love, mercy, and the favor of God in every aspect of life. When the family, through its Christian education programs, when lay men and women in the family use their gifts to pull people out of a whirlwind of neg negativity, when youth workers begin to go work together with other youth all over the world in communities where they're not used to seeing young people work together, the world can and will change. Discipleship and other ministries began by laying the foundation in the family right here. Discipleship requires the gift that you possess. In solidarity with the Savior, we must lift high the cross and reach the masters for 
his world. He has reminded us that if I be lifted up, I can draw all people unto me. Solidarity with the Savior, we must encourage members of the kingdom to make the sacrifices necessary to make the family of God a reality. The abundant, spirit-filled lives we all desire will require sacrifice, mostly putting self aside, laying aside my ideologies for the greater good. This powerful, anointed life will require us to give up something. Through our perfect union with Christ, we demonstrate what it means to live sacrificially for God. In solidarity with Christ, we also demonstrate abundant living. Together, we must point the way to the cross. We must go to the cross because at the cross, my friends, wicked will cease from troubling and weary will be at rest. At the cross, weak will find strength and the lonely will find comfort for their souls at the cross. Hunger will find sustenance, and the thirsty will find water for their souls. No wonder somebody wrote, at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light, all of my burdens rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. Now, I'm happy all the day. In solidarity with, with our Savior, let's show the world that the God we serve is a loving God who has promised us the abundant life. In solidarity with the Savior and each other, let us show the loss that we have have found a Savior who really, really lives. I don't know about you, but I've decided to live my life in solidarity with all of you and with my Savior. I decided to tell the world that the Lord has brought me from a mighty, mighty, mighty long way. From the streets of East St. Louis, from the operating rooms, from the table of radiation. I've decided to stay on the battlefield and lift him high. Because there is no retirement from God. We just move from one ministry to the next. We must tell the world about a Savior. We must tell the world that he came down through 42 generations to a cruel, unpredicted world. We must tell the world that he lived for 33 short years amongst us. We must tell the world that he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he fed the hungry. I don't know about you, but I've got to tell somebody that he's still in the healing business. I've got to tell somebody about a Savior. His name is Jesus. Some call him the lily of the valley. Others say he's the bright and morning star. But his name is Jesus, who picked up an old rugged cross and carried it up a disdained hill called Golgotha. His name is Jesus, my rock, my sword, my shield. And I'm here to tell you, he died out there on Calvary. But death could not hold him because early Sunday morning, he arose from the dead with all power in his hand. In solidarity, we need to tell the world he lives. In solidarity, tell the world he heals. In solidarity, tell the world he cares. In solidarity, let's show every doubting heart that our God is able, well able, to 
to take care of whatever's happening in this world. Let's demonstrate to the world that we are a people that's built for this. Together, no gates of Hades will be able to snatch from us what God has laid the foundation for us to receive. This is God's world. And by default, it's the family's world to till and to cultivate. In baptism, we come into the family with communion. We tell the world that we are in solidarity with Jesus and each other. It is the table that Jesus set the context of his ministry. It was the table in those last days with Judas partaking in the meal that Jesus said, sit down, all of you, because you've got to understand Tough times are coming, but you are built for this. It doesn't matter what J Judas has done or what the Roman government will do. If you will stay together as family members and surround yourself around this table, and when you do, every time you partake in the bread of life, Remember that this bread represents my body that was broken for you. For the forgiveness of whatever sins you have committed, this is my body broken for you. And remember, my brothers and sisters, when you sit at the table to feast as family, remember this cup, this chalice, this juice, this wine, represents my blood of the new covenant that has been ratified in heaven for you. We are family. We are kingdom. We solidify that by coming to the table because the God has blessed these elements to represent for us the body and blood of Jesus Christ and his sacrificial life for us that all who participate in these elements are declaring we are family. The communion stewards, if you'll come and be communed first, and then they will direct you from the back to the front down these two aisles.